The following program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Good morning, my good friends. Welcome to the weekend. I hope it's off to a good start. Uh, Stay tuned to this radio show, and we'll hopefully put uh, some financial ideas into your arsenal to help you, well, uh, have a little more money. It's a good thing, isn't it? You can't have too much money, but you certainly can have too little of it. And uh, again, to have some money, you got to work and you got to save and you have to learn to invest. And uh, yeah, the, the, the road of investing is sometimes a bumpy road, full of surprises, full of twists and full of turns. And as we say on Bay Street and Wall Street, it is so easy to get shaken out of the market, shaken out of a position, uh, just shaken out. Uh, hey, what did uh, James Bond say? Uh, shaken but not stirred. And that's the name of the game. You don't want to get too stirred. And uh, I think the way to do that, whole quality assets, uh, work with professionals who also work with professionals. And uh, as Wolfgang Klein, portfolio manager, and with my key partner, Jack Hartle, uh, our brains are just never enough. We extend far beyond our capabilities and uh, dial in frequently to our own technical analyst, Mr. Javid Mirza. Uh, Javid looks at charts. He looks at history. He looks at rhythm of markets. He looks at trends. He looks at a whole lot of interesting uh, factors uh, to help give him direction of the future. Uh, Javid, good morning to you. And I thank you again for joining us on Hi-Fi Radio, my good man. How are things? Sir, really well. How are you doing? Uh, doing okay. I'm doing okay. Again, it is Thursday, um, social distancing uh, from the office. So does it really matter at that point where I am? I'll tell you the audience. I'm up at the cottage um, as I watch the market continue to rally in the month of May. And, uh, you know, uh, there's some maxims uh, from Wall Street, some great idioms that, that have uh, been created over the last 150 years. And the key standout has been you sell in May and go away. Uh, May tends to, the summer tends to be a volatile, low volume, low acti- uh, act, uh, uh, little activity type uh, period. Uh, earnings tend to be subdued, activity tends to be subdued, and as such, the markets tend not to perform a whole lot from basically the month of May, early June, until late fall, say the middle of October. Um, Javid, we'll start with the seasonal aspects of the market. Do you think 2020 is going to be a sell in May, go away, buy when it snows type setup, or are we going to continue to push higher? I think we've got some more upside, both in terms of price and time. I think uh, I'd be looking more for fireworks around the 4th of July. Fireworks 4th of July, you think that'll be the uh, uh, peak of the year? I don't think uh, peak of the year. As you know, I think we're setting up to make new all-time highs. You know, Jeff, you've said that, and, and your standout on that statement of yours, again, we work with three strategists internally. And, uh, you know, I, I respect all three strategists, you know, Tony Dwyer and uh, Martin Roberge. 
Um, and, and I like the independence of, of each of you, and uh, your, your thought stands on its own, and you come together with a lot of your uh, work at the same time. But um, I guess say you've been the most bullish uh, of our three strategists. Tony Dwyer, probably being the most bearish, seems to be tilting towards a neutrality position right now. Uh, but amidst a global pandemic, uh, economic shutdown, barely reopening, uh, I have to cook all my own food up here. I can't go to any restaurants. They're still all closed. Um, yet, yet, you think the market is going to make a new all-time high this year? Yes. Um, our technical work suggests that what we saw uh, over the last couple of months is a black swan event. Uh, we saw a lot of technical damage done. Uh, we uh, crossed below a key line in the sand, but we've reclaimed it. And our technical work, as you know from when you've had us on previously, is that we believe we're, and this is what our work supports, we're in a secular bull market in equities that has upside out into 2030. Yeah, well, that's a powerful word, secular, and that really does mean um, long-lasting. Over a decade is what you're referring to. Uh, Cyclical, much shorter uh, uh, duration than time when we use that word. Um, So you you have right now a, a cyclical rally coming off of a uh, deep base, and you're also still what you believe is in is a secular bull market um, to run for another 10 years, which, which is incredible because uh, I, uh, I'm i 55 and 10 years forward takes me to 65. So you think I can basically uh, party from now for the next 10 years uh, and set up for a wonderful retirement, eh? That's exactly it. Sail into the sunset. <laughs> Damn it. Not a bad way to start off uh, the show, my good friends. It is Hi-Fi Radio, run Global News Radio Network at 640 in Toronto. If you're just tuning in, my good friends, and got that coffee charged up, uh, I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Jack Hartle. Uh, socially distancing, of course, but here for the cause always. Um, and Javid Mervza, our Chief Technical uh, Analyst. And again, I will say, my good friends, there are fewer and fewer analysts on Bay Street, fewer and fewer strategists and virtually no technicians left. So when you have one, you cherish it, and when they speak, you listen. Please, you stay tuned. More show right after this. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. The best things in life are free. And give them to the birds and bees. I want money. That's what good I want. morning. How are you today, my good friends? That's what I want. Yep, it's a money show, my good friends, and it's all hi-fi radio. Little flying lizards for you. 1979. The song sounds so contemporary, ahead of its time. Uh, indeed. Well, Javid Mers is on the line with us. He is a technician. Uh, he looks at charts. Charts, of course, are historic perspective on things and they give you indication of where we are going uh jeff is very keen on the market uh my good friend do not despair um jeff believes that we are in a long-standing bull market that could run for 10 more years uh, this blocks black swan event uh, was just that and well I, you know what i like to look at i always like to look at markets when i want to see a glimpse into the future i can ask my friends i can ask myself I can make the mistake of watching the media. Don't do that. No, no, no. The media, what it does is when the story is bad, it brings out the perma bears. When the story is good, it brings out the perma 
both. And the problem with that is it is too late. You will get whipsawed if you pay attention. So uh, David, of course, is a technician that worked for Canaccord. Jack and I have access to his work continuously. He publishes frequently. I receive his chart packages, and we read his chart packages to ideas as to how to rotate through the marketplace. Um, so let's talk a little bit then, Javid, about rotation. You like the market uh, as a whole. Um, what sectors are you more keen on and which sectors are you less enthusiastic about? That's a great question, Wolf. Uh, right now and over the last couple of weeks, we've been keen and focused in on, uh, especially in here in Canada, the financials. So over the last couple of weeks, we've put out some notes telling our clients, look, uh, we like how the financials are setting up. They're also the key linchpin uh, for us shifting into phase one of the market cycle model. And that's the cyclical model you were referring to earlier, where every three to five years, uh, we go through this uh, business cycle. And financials really are the linchpin here. And Everything that we see suggests that financials are set to to benefit. The worst news has already been priced in, and the key takeaway is that yields look like they want to move higher. Yields, of course, uh, I'm referring to U.S. 10-year yields. and The bond market, those are the really smart guys. They look like they're showing signs of believing that this economic rebound is underway. And if yields move higher, of course, that's going to make more money for the banks and financial institutions. And so that's why our call over the last uh, week and a bit is to be uh, highlighting the positive profiles here, the banks. And uh, we've actually had a couple of clients reach out to us in the last week, uh, thanking us uh, for not uh, pitching their bank stocks. <laughs> um, are you referring to Canadian banks over U.S. banks or uh, banks in general? Uh, yeah, general. yeah. But th- this was a key week, and we're still going through it right now because the Canadian banks have been reporting. But in general, it's been a really strong week for the banks. And what we really need to see is the finan- financials. Um, they've they've kind of sat out the rally for the last uh, month and a half, but now they're moving, and that's a really positive sign in the right direction. Well, Tony Dwyer makes the same statement. He said, for this market to truly heal itself, uh, two sectors that have, well, a few sectors have not participated. Small caps have not participated yet. Um, banks and tanks, the tanks being industrials, uh, Boeing, General, like Boeing is a key company in America. It is a absolute harbinger of, of, of industrial activity. Uh, and certainly this week, we have seen rotation perhaps, out of technology, which has led the market through this recovery phase, and into financial. Citigroup, uh, as an example, has been up two days straight, uh, well over 13%. Bank of America, J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, same thing. And during the depths of the crises, World Bank got in, it had a seven handle on it. It was trading at about $72. World Bank right now is, is in now the mid to high 80s. Um, Jack, over to you, if, if you don't mind. Um, the bank earnings that uh, that have shown uh, their cards so far, we, we've heard from Scotiabank. Uh, can you briefly touch on Scotiabank numbers? Because uh, the, the quarter was quite weak, but the stock acted quite well. And which other Canadian banks have reported, Jack, that you're aware of? 
Yeah, well, that's where you know retail really gets it wrong. And uh, what happened in this, over the last week, and most of the, can- the Canadian banks have actually reported, but like you said, Bank of Nova Scotia, their earnings were down, I think it was 40%, something like that. Uh, loan losses uh, up substantially. Uh, and then the stock rallied on the news. So basically what we saw there was the fact that uh, the market anticipated uh, extremely bad earnings. The, the Bank of Nova Scotia came in line uh, or slightly came ahead of expectations uh, and beat those. And we saw the same thing actually with uh, National Bank, and that would have been on Wednesday, um, in, basically across the board. So Javits call was correct, the fact that the, the market had priced in uh, exceptionally bad earnings uh, on the back of uh, mostly loan loss provisions that they're uh, expecting in the future uh, based on the Canadian economy and Canadian consumers being as, as weak as they are, and Canadian business for that matter. But uh, the fact that these banks rallied off of um, very bad news, I would say, is a very uh, technically bullish uh, outcome. Well, without question, uh, I do like the TSX, I must say, on, on a deep value basis. I like the long-term uh, chart pattern uh, that, that, that is showing uh, to me. And uh, again, if the global economy begins to what we call reflate through government spending in, in, in terms of building roads, building hospitals, building schools, hopefully no more tanks. I think the world has enough of those. But they're, they're just long asset um, uh, employment and, and economic activity generation through government spend, um, I, I can see uh, certainly further upside uh, with the financial institutions. Uh, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Good morning and welcome to the weekend. I'm Wolfgang Klein, uh, our key uh, technician, uh, a technical analyst, otherwise known as Javid Mirza, has joined us graciously, sharing with us his view on the market. Javid's quite keen, uh, so who doesn't want to hear a little bit of optimism amidst all this doom and gloom that we have all been uh, exposed to for the last uh, three months? And Well, Javid, you're putting a smile on my face. Jack, doing a great job as always. Let's go to commercial break, pay some bills around here, and get right back to the show right after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. That song, uh, that was the first uh, uh, requested, yes, the all request hour here on iFi Radio by Javid Mirza, our technical strategist at Canaccord Genuity. We have three strategists that Jack and I have the privilege of working with, uh, people who help us help you better manage money. Um, Javid has been such a steady hand through this crisis, and, uh, you know, Jack and I did some uh, um, autopsy, shall I say, uh, post-mortem <laughs> work on our portfolio. And Jack made a great comment. He said, well, the smartest thing we did for our clients is we did not sell at the lows. So uh, Javid was very helpful in that call uh, because Javid believed that the secular bull market was still intact. And he had a line in the sand. It breached that line in the sand briefly, came back above the line, and all was good. What was that line in the sand, by the way? What number uh, was going to put your theses in questions, Javid, uh, before we get into some more details here? Yeah, so it's the uh, it's a long term moving average. It's a four year moving average, and it was around I think twenty six sixty. So we punched through that uh, in early in March. I think around twenty six sixty. It's it's a moving average, so it's just constantly uh, fluctuating a little bit. But uh, sorry, and this is twenty six sixty on the S and P five hundred. 
And so it was definitely a a tough time in in March for everyone. Um, And obviously that was... That was a four-year moving average. You know, I'll tell you, uh, friends at home, uh, what's incredible is um, the the market is like a pendulum. And Howard Marks taught Jack and I this through all of his writings and work. And Jack's a real student of his, I must add. Um, But the market is like a pendulum. And fair value tends to ever... Be where the market sits. It doesn't sit at fair value. It becomes extended uh, to the cheap and extended to the expensive. But over time, these long-term averages tend to act as a gravitational pull, and markets inevitably do end at them. And that is certainly not a place to be selling equities. It's a place to be buying equities. Um, the number I look at, had Javit, is that uh, the 200-month moving average um is that, is that the four year is that the same number 200 month four year um, no that's that's much longer um, yeah, yeah much longer that's a 50 month your four years a 50 month moving average um, yeah 48 months yeah yeah 48 months that's right yeah I like the 200 month moving average so that's a real long term and that, that's the number that i was watching for to see if that number was going to come in and it did not come in uh, mm-hmm. parts of the sector it did ironically um and, and that's interesting as well because tony Dwyer, our chief strategist, was calling for a market retest, uh, mm-hmm. that the lows that were set, uh, when were the lows put in? Was it in March? Uh, yes. Yeah, in March. Uh, and what was the low in the S&P again? Uh, I will pull it up for you right now. Uh, it was 2,200. Yeah. yeah, it was 2,200. Uh, so Tony believed that we, the market was going to come all the way back down to 2,200. And again, for yeah. right now, the market is at 3,000 points. Uh, so good golly for it to have another... 30% correction back down and, and really shake us. Uh, it would be quite horrific. Javid doesn't believe that's going to occur. But, Jack, you made a good point about that. Parts of the market did retest the lows, notably the banks and the tanks. And so this is actually key to the whole thesis. We know when you start to put these pieces together, because Javid thinks these banks have now uh, finalized uh, their, their corrective phase and now look quite healthy. Um, a standout data point that I do want to share with respect to the banks, is in Canada, there is approximately 5 million outstanding mortgages. In fact, I think the number is 4.8 million people are holding a mortgage. Uh, the Global Mail published a story two weeks ago that Jack uh, picked up and sent my way, and that was that 750,000 borrowers have had to seek some kind of reprieve, some kind of lenient, some kind of deferral from their bank to get through this COVID crisis. 750,000 out of 5 million is a big number. Uh, it's almost 20% of people seeking help. Uh, d- gentlemen, I ask both of you, is this going to, and has these numbers hit the bank's bottom line? And is part of the loan loss provisions that have increased? I would say that uh, you know the, the loan loss provisions that they're putting in right now as part of their earnings forecast and, and part of their earnings just recently re- reported um, is accounting for a lot of that and hopefully uh, they're over uh, accounting for it and maybe the loan losses don't come in uh, as bad as expected. So we'll see what happens, but the, the loan loss provisions that they're accounting for right now are basically, um, I would say, even more significant than 2008. So we'll see how it plays out, but uh, yep. the point is for the banks right now and then you also mentioned the tanks or the industrials what we're seeing uh, at the moment is we're seeing uh, the market starting to believe in this economic cycle starting to um, come off of its uh, bottom and like you said uh, the banks 
retested their lows in March. The, a lot of the industrials did as well. And now those stocks are they're down the most still year to date, but they're starting to, to take some leadership uh, over from the, the technical and, and growth uh, stocks. Um, so the, the, that's the next question I have for you, Javit. Um, yeah. My position, uh, our portfolios that Jack and I manage, um, they are bespoke portfolios. We pick individual securities for clients. We try not to use third-party managers. And as such, we are able to save clients money on fees and have a more fine-tuned bespoke portfolio for our individual clients. And they're able to see the investments that they have made. They can see they own Apple and they own Microsoft and they own DocuSign. Um, we own a lot of tech uh, and a lot of disruptive technology that has worked very, very well for us. And as such, Javid, year-to-date, our growth portfolio is down about 3%. Our balance portfolio is down about 6%. So getting through this crisis, I shall say, quite well. Uh, is it time for us to do some significant rotating? Uh, we do own banks. We have a barbell portfolio, uh, but we have a lot of tech. Should we be selling tech? And, and putting some of that money into the financials or maintaining a overweight um, growth type stock portfolio with a barbell of some financials in there as well. Uh, I, at the margin, I would be trimming um, and making that trade out of the uh, infotech into the financials. I think that makes sense. Um, I think what's going to happen over the next couple of months is you're going to see infotech. Uh, it's had a really strong run. Like you look at a lot of these charts, so they still look really strong long term. And you mean in our work, our longer term work. And remember, we're looking at you know 50 year charts, 100 year charts, and that's what allows us to to make the, the the calls that we do is because we go so back in history and are in fact a student of human history is that information technology is the leader in this uh, secular bull market that began in 2009 that we think is going to go to 2030. So at the margin, you can trim, um, but long-term, it's uh, you, you want that to be your overweight. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio, my good friends. Good morning to you. Welcome to the weekend. If you're just tuning in, I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Steward of Wealth, and I, of course, Jack and I are here to help you accumulate and have more wealth. Uh, Jack and I have a big, big, wide-reaching uh, array of geniuses that we can work with. Javed Mirza, our chief strat- technical strategist, uh, is just a delight to uh, have as a partner in our quest to help you have more money. Uh, we're going to spend a little more time with Javed after commercial break and get right back to you. You stay tuned. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Good morning. Welcome back to the show. Hi-Fi Radio. I'm Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, here to help you have high finance. You can't have too much of it, my good friends. And if you do, give it to charity. There's a lot of good causes out there. If there's a burning hole in your pocket, give it away to some people who need it more than you do. Uh, But as I said, you can't have too much. You can certainly have too little. Stay tuned to the show, and we will help you have a little bit more money in due course. If you have any questions, by the way, for Jack or I, uh, please uh, frequent our website, WolfgangKlein.com. Send us a note. We will get back to you ASAP with any of your questions. If you want to subscribe, by the way, uh, to our email distribution list, every now and then we have some gems that we send out, including some work from Javed Mirza, our chief technical strategist. Uh, Again, on the website, subscribe 
and we will take care of you. And if you have any questions about your portfolio or dissatisfied with where you're at and feel that you can do better, perhaps you can give us a call. And again, we will be happy to uh, socially distant communicate with you and uh, answer any of your questions, give you some good ideas. I guess a key question that I would ask, uh, Javid, so we've got a lot of clients right now, um, you know, really don't believe uh, in this bull market or in the uh, the rebound that we've had off of the bottom. And everyone's sort of um, trying to become a, a market technician and, and timing the market. Um, what are the key things, I guess, that you look for right now? Uh, we've had a good bounce off the bottom. Um, where will you start getting a little bit more bearish or where, where do you think it gets a little bit extended from here? Great question, Jack. Price. Uh, but the other thing that they really have to look at as well is time. So it's a key component of any financial data series, price and time. So we're looking at time and then we're looking at investor sentiment. We're looking at price momentum. And it's uh, in the, when, when you take the CFA course, they talk about this thing called mosaic theory, where you deduce something based on a wide variety of different pieces of information. So uh, we're looking at all these different things in aggregate. When we do our weekly review, we're looking at all the markets from a macro perspective, all the commodities, uh, currencies, fixed income, and then we go through the entire TSX and S&P 500 on both a daily and weekly basis. And right now, all the charts still look constructive, so there's more upside coming. But once we start seeing a variety of these indicators starting to flag, that's when, on balance, the reward-risk ratio is going to get poor, and that's when we'd be looking to take a little bit of money off the table. So we like things here uh, in the long-term picture, in the intermediate-term picture, um, and over the next month or two, we'd be telling clients to take a little bit off the table and wait for a, a better entry point to deploy and add capital again. You know, Javid, that word mosaic, it, it's, it's a wonderful word. Uh, arts and crafts as a little child, I remember creating mosaics. Then I moved into radio, and I remember speaking to program directors who spoke about mosaic programming. Very colorful, lots of depth to it. Here you're talking mosaic theory in the world of finance. And isn't that interesting? Because that's truly what Jack and I do as we manage money. We seek as many different pieces of information as we possibly can from the businesses that we, uh, that we own. We look at their income statement. We look at their balance sheet. If we're lucky enough, we can speak to management. Uh, we look at charts. Uh, we look at uh, economic conditions. Uh, both concurrent and forward-looking. We look at the bond market, we look at the gold market, and we try to put it all together. Mosaic theory. And that's the point, Javi. This is a lot of work. Managing money is a lot of work. And to do proper mosaic theory, it takes hours a week to be able to construct it. So uh, I I, I really appreciate you bringing that one up to us. Uh, Javi, interest of time, we got a couple more minutes. What are the uh, key points that you want to uh, leave with Jack and I so we can better serve our clients? Well, I think you nailed it when we were talking about the mosaic theory. It's uh, it's almost like it's a full-time job. And uh, there's so many things that we look at. We get information from a lot of uh, people who uh, you know are bright and typically smarter than us. So, um, doing having all this information at your fingertips and and being able to to utilize it is key. But then I think the the real value add that you and Jack have is able to uh, being able to 
look at your client's unique situations, unique perspectives, and putting together a portfolio uh, basically based on their needs. So, you know, someone who's younger would have a more growth aspect to their portfolio, and someone who's older would want to see more income. And then, you know, you run that through your lens, and then the work we do helps you distinguish, okay, you know, Javid's saying that these stocks on the more defensive area are the ones that we want to be buying, or these stocks on the growth area uh, are the ones that want to be buying. So I think it's all of us working together it ultimately is what really helps, uh, you know, provide a big edge uh, and benefit for our clients. Well, I think the, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, again, I'm very proud to be able to say that our growth strategy for our clients year to date is down 3%. Uh, to go through a black swan event, and see a count down 3%, good golly, that is a rounding error. Uh, so if Javits' work is correct, uh, clients will actually be making some money in 2020, and uh, perhaps the roaring 20s continue. A, a phrase by Javits uh, put out about a year ago, and I'm going to hang into that statement, the roaring 20s. I love the deco era. The 20s sound like a fun time, 100 years forward. Let's do it again. The only uh, wild card is that Spanish flu took place 100 years ago as well. But guess what? That was before the 20s. So, second well, if you perhaps, um, sorry, Javit, uh, second wave perhaps coming our way, but the market is looking forward. And I, I, I have a lot of confidence in the collective unconscious of the market. And the market trending the way it is tells me good things are coming our way. Good things are coming to Main Street. Uh, let's hope it is right, and I think it will be. Javid, I want to wish you a great week, and I can't thank you enough for uh, spending some time with us today. Uh, you were very generous with it. You continue uh, on with your quest through Mosaic Theory. I appreciate for all the work that you do for Jack and I. Again, you've listened to Javid Mirza. He is our chief technical strategist at Canaccord Genuity. Um, coming up next, we're going to speak with Jamie Carrasco. Jamie has been on the show many times. Jamie is a gold expert, I shall say, and he's very, very keen on the gold space. A very interesting historic perspective on the yellow metal, the precious metal, and the very colorful, intelligent man to speak with. Looking forward to spending some time with Jamie Carrasco. Then we'll commercial break and get right back to you, my good friends. You stay tuned. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Come on back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Welcome to the show. It's a show about money. We call it Hi-Fi Radio. I love music. And it makes everything just so much tastier. I don't care what you're talking about. A little music in the background is a good thing. It's a privilege that we can bring the show to you each and every week. And being able to do it on the radio allows us to play copywritten material and get away with it. Well, if we play 30 seconds of it, the artist gets paid. And I'm okay with that. Uh, Why not? Everyone needs to have a couple of shekels here and there. Gold coin, perhaps? I don't know. Jamie Carrasco would probably say yes. Uh, Jamie Carrasco is a portfolio manager with Canaccord, uh, a distant neighbor of mine in the office. Very distant right now, I shall say. Um, but nonetheless, a, a complete expert in the field of gold. Uh, Jamie, thank you very kindly for joining us. And uh, I shall say your gold call 
was pretty darn good. Uh, your, your timing was good. Um, you know, you've been bullish gold since I've known you. I've known you now for about three years. And uh, gold, when I met you, was probably 1150 an ounce. Now it's about 1700 an ounce. And even Barrick Gold found some mojo. I say that because Barrick Gold was the first gold stock I ever purchased. And I'm going to share with you, Jamie, I bought uh, Barrick Gold, ooh, I would say in 1990 at about $29. Today, Barrick Gold, about $33. And as such, I'm somewhat tainted. Um, Barrick Gold was a disappointing uh, investment. Uh, although I never held it for long while I traded it, and that was a good thing, because uh, I do believe cyclicals need to be traded. Uh, so th- that sort of didn't leave me a bad taste, in my mouth, but I, I really questioned the whole gold theme beyond the actual metal itself. In other words, miners are very different than actual yellow metal in your account. Um, so, uh, Jamie, let's speak about that for, uh, out of the hopper. You like gold. Um, what do you think? Do you prefer owning gold stock? at these levels or the actual yellow metal? Um, actually, I look at both, but I look at the yellow metal as cash. So to me, owning gold is no different than owning U.S. dollars, which is funny because right now I'm sitting in a lot of cash in my equity income accounts, my more balanced portfolios, and so I'm looking to buy physical um, gold and silver in those accounts. Uh, but I do prefer the true speculations coming from the companies. I have never liked Barrick. I continue to say that. But I do like the mid-tier ones, the ones that are more lean, mean, and, and moving along, like Agnico Eagle, for example. Um, I find them to be great companies. But it's volatile. You know, last time I was on, which was in March, we were at fourteen, at 16.60. Had a quick dip in March to 14.60, only to come back right up to 17.36 today. So that's almost a $500 move up and down in, what, a month, uh, no more than two months, which shows why I keep saying asset allocation. What has been, what has worked well in that dip is that those same accounts that are sitting in 30% cash have made it all back through this volatility. And as that hedge against the instability that we continue to see and build, it is working. So, you know, the strategy is paying out and asset allocation, I think, is going to be key, especially with negative interest rates and everything else that's coming on. I think the light's coming on because, again, Wolf, I'm not a gold bull. I'm a bond bear. I think the bond market, the quantitative easing strategies of the central banks have gone awry. And, you know, historically, when we go through these periods, gold tends to shine um, very well, and it is doing that. And now silver is finally coming to the party when it's almost ready to break 18. So now I'm starting to concentrate on gold. I'm sorry, on silver. Um, Jamie, again, gold is money, and, and you can't just print more of it. No, it's expensive to print gold, i.e. to produce it. Uh, so production costs have gone up uh, as such. To produce an ounce of gold is, is what, $1,200 on average? On average, uh, correct. On average, twice is a good guess I, I came out with. Yeah. Um, uh, with all of this central printing of money, this totally plays into why gold should go higher. But again, the market knows that the central bank in America to begin with, and Europe just announced that they are going to be uh, engaging in a stimulus program uh, of significant size, you know, close to a trillion dollars out of Europe. You're talking $4 trillion in America. Uh, 
I would have to think, when you're speaking about unlimited financial support for the system, as what the Fed said, gold should be twice as high as it is. Uh, I fully agree with you. And the reason for that is what's happening in the futures pits, where when it comes to gold, silver, platinum, and, and certain metals, there has been quite a bit of let's say, shenanigans uh, with regards to the paper market and the fact that we've been selling way more contracts than there is physical, physically available. That is really noticeable in, in silver, for example, where they've, they've sold more than 5 billion ounces of paper contracts, even though we only produce about 300 million on an annual basis. Right? So position limits are not being regulated by the regulators. That's a problem. However, that's changing because the DOJ on Monday said that they're going to be looking into commodities trading irregularities. What's important about that is that there's only these metals that are irregularly traded. So I think that's also coming to an end. That's why Scotia now is completely out. They, you know, I think the hit was $160 billion that they took for coming out of the, of the, of the bullion trading, um, and there's less and less bullion traders. Right, so there's a lot of geopolitical issues with gold as money, um, you know, and and those are coming to an end, in my opinion, and that's why we're going to see higher prices. And I continue to believe that that's been the one thing that I keep saying that you got to be aware of in these markets, and that as that process stops to work, the price will rise, and it is beginning to rise. You are listening to Hi-Fi Radio. Good morning and welcome to the weekend. I am Wolfgang Klein, Portfolio Manager, Steward of Wealth, Builder of Wealth, here to help each and every one of you. All you have to do is give us a shout, ask us some questions, and we'll be more than happy to help you. That's what Jack and I do each and every day. Uh, we're talking gold. Uh, Jamie Carrasco, Portfolio Manager with Canaccord, uh, gracious enough to spend some time with us. Uh, Jamie probably is the smartest uh, gold investor, bond bear that i know uh we're gonna spend some more time with jamie go to commercial break get right back to the show you stay tuned stay with us there's more shows still to come you're listening to hi-fi radio from global news radio 640 toronto Welcome back, my good friend, to Hi-Fi Radio. I am Wolfgang Klein, steward of wealth, money manager. Call myself a portfolio manager, because that's what I am. And so is Jack, uh, and so is Jamie Carrasco. Uh, Jamie's on the line. He works with Canaccord. Um, friendly competition, I shall say. Uh, Jamie uh, is a very much focused on the uh, gold market, um, and that's part of his brand. And the reason Jamie likes gold is because he really doesn't like bonds. I really don't like bonds either, and nor does Jack. Um, but I'd rather buy a bank stock, uh, as per Javid's advice, uh, than an ounce of gold. Uh, Others like Bitcoin. Uh, Jamie, what do you make of Bitcoin um, rising 35%? And I spoke with a client of mine um, whose son is involved in Bitcoin trading. And then they're getting some very wealthy people, you know, uh, slinging around millions of dollars uh, going long Bitcoin, something that is just zeros and ones and puffs of errors to many. And others, of course, truly believe in it as an alternative monetary store of value. Uh, but Bitcoin, I think, has outperformed gold this year. Uh, what do you say about that, Jamie? 
I think it makes sense. Um, I love Bitcoin. I am participating in the blockchain through a private to through a public company. Um, I love it because it's decentral. It's a decentralized uh, system, right? And the reason why it's outperforming, I think, it's because it's an electronic and new thing. So the next wave, kind of like the internet years ago, that's how I'm approaching it. That you know, we went through this massive rise of Bitcoin up to twenty thousand in twenty late twenty eighteen. Um, we had the big crash down to three, and then it started to build its uh, its base, and now we're sitting at 9,400 as we speak. So it's rebuilding again. So to me, that wave is no different than having bought Google in 2003 at five bucks when nobody wanted it and nobody fully understood what was going on. I see it as a positive thing because what we are building is a decentralized system, which is very important because we have uh, an electronic solution to the problems with the banking system. Right, uh, um, a system that requires more and more debt to keep going. And if I am correct that we are looking at the rebuilding of a new currency reserve, I think the blockchain and these coins are going to be an important part of that. So I think it's important for people to understand what's going on because as a ledger, as a store of information of what people own, which is really the problem, it works. And a lot of companies, Fidelity is coming on board, a lot of Canadian mutual fund companies, insurance companies are coming on board because of the money savings they're getting. Right. So that's where the the development of the of the of the blockchain technology is taking place. And I don't think it can be stopped. Fidelity took the lead about two years ago and they're definitely leading in in using the technology. They're using it. But uh, how are you um, uh, uh, exposing your clients to Bitcoin, Jamie? Through Hive. Hive, which is uh, which is the the leading or the biggest uh, miner of the coins. Uh, implementation, I don't particularly care. What I like about the technology is that we have an opportunity to participate and benefit from. Think of the internet. In the internet, you have to define Google to benefit from the profitability of the internet. With blockchain. We are, you actually have an opportunity to own the the network itself because it's being set up through these coins and more and more people require to store information in it. So by participating through Hive, which is an actual miner of the coins, um, it, you can benefit from the development of the network as it develops. Now with Bitcoin, it's important to understand what just happened because we had the first halving. What that means is not that you're going to have uh, that you're going to have more and more buyers. It's the production of the coin. So on a daily basis, we've just cut the amount that the miners can mine by half, and that's going to happen again. So there is an intrinsic inflation uh, control to the system that allows it to to not overinflate itself, which I think it's great because look at what's been happening with share counts of companies or or debt buildup. Um, you know where companies are borrowing money to buy up their shares. With with these coins, it's being set up in a way to avoid those issues, which I think is very smart. It's an interesting world, my good friend. Uh, picks and axes. That's the way I like to play it. I like to sell the miners picks and axes. So therefore, Bitcoin, I'll sell them semiconductors. That's right. I'll own NVIDIA. I'll own AMD. Uh, I will supply and own the tools that make Bitcoin work. Do you think that's a good strategy? Of course it is, because the, 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 the tools to own the coins is also a way to go. But more importantly to me is the other side, which is we're not using picks and access to build um, 
to take uh, ore out of the ground that then it'll either get eroded or what this is is a network that is growing globally and it's going to continue to grow. And as more and more people use it, I think uh, it, it, the, 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 it, the abilities are limitless. The other thing that's really important is that I see the coins as currency. I don't, I don't see gold as currency. I see gold as money. Right, currency is the U.S. dollar that used to have a backing to to something tangible. Now it's fiat. I think that's the problem with the system that that you know we're losing trust in in the system. And once a fiat system loses trust, that's it. And I think that's where we're heading. Well, uh, Jamie, I still uh, trust the American dollar, and God, we trust is what it says. Uh, I trust it actually more than the Canadian dollar, believe it or not. In times of stress, the U.S. dollar strengthens. In times of prosperity, the U.S. dollar weakens. And that's exactly what's taking place again. But nonetheless, Bitcoin, good legs to it. Uh, I won't be surprised to see it challenge its previous highs. Uh, that's just the way the pendulum. I won't be surprised at all. I won't be, uh, participate other than owning semiconductor stock and let those miners buy my semiconductors to mine the stuff that they want to mine. Uh, I've never seen the ounce that they actually produce, but it's zeros and ones, and that's what it is. Uh, Jamie, good job, uh, honestly, uh, on your position in gold, your your, your approach. Uh, it's unique. It's you, and, and it works very, very well for you and your clients. So I think you're doing a great job. But Jack, as always, thank you for your efforts. Um, shall we migrate to the cloud? <laughs> that's exactly what's taking place. And so we have some IT issues to deal with, and we're going to do just that uh, i want to wish you all of you a, a great weekend uh good success good health if you have any questions about your money please jack and i are always here for you wolfgangkline.com uh visit us on the website contact us and we will reply asap because we are here for you big smile on your face enjoy your weekend and we will speak with you next weekend on the global news radio network 640 in toronto you tell your friends about hi-fi radio Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week. The preceding program is a specialty program. Unless otherwise identified, the participants on the program are not employees of Chorus Entertainment. Opinions expressed may not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.